let's switch gears to something you've done recently, mm-hmm. um, which is the series on ABC called Third Culture Kids. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell us what that's about? Yeah, so Third Culture Kids is a documentary series that profiles six incredible artists, visual artists, who all come from uh, culturally diverse backgrounds. They're millennials, and they sit in this gap that, you know, where they don't quite identify with their parents' heritage fully, but they also don't fully identify with um, their Australian heritage as well. And so they've kind of formed their own identities as a result, and that's what we're kind of um, calling the third culture. So yeah, that's pretty much a series, and yeah. Now, <laughs> how? Okay, so I was what I, I really liked it because it's a term. I suppose I I'd never heard third culture kid, but oh. it applies to me. Amazing. And I feel like the fact that there's a term for kind of that in between where you know people ask you where are you from, and you kind of you, you tell them where you know the countries where your parents are from, but not necessarily you haven't spent enough time there that you can fully give you know. X, Y, Z, this is the traditional this and this is the traditional mm. that versus mm. you're here, mm. but people here in Australia don't necessarily say, oh yes, you're 100% Australian. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's really cool to see that, you know, you're, you're showing these kind of things where there's, you know, you're creating your own space, yeah. I guess. How, you know, with the people that you've found for this mm. uh, series, how did they kind of do their own conclusion, I guess, about themselves. Yeah. I think they're all still figuring it out. I think it's still a work in progress. And I think that's where the, 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 my role as a filmmaker comes in because they don't see the dots. I, I, you know what I mean? Because so, people are just living their lives. And I go, mm, I can see something in you that I think would be interesting if we frame it in this way. And that's why you can sort of see the parallels between all of their lives. But I don't think that they would have automatically looked at their lives and gone, oh yeah, these are these sorts of things. But I think what I loved a lot about making these this series and telling these stories is that I know that a lot of young people are growing up in this country feeling like they don't quite belong, um, made to feel like they don't quite belong, being reminded that they're not Australian even though they are. Mm. And I wanted to, you know, and this is what I was saying before about how do you use the moving image? I wanted to to make a series that made any any young person that grows up in this country feeling like they don't belong to have that experience reaffirmed and go, no, you're not alone and you're not um, you're worthy. You know, this is this is this is your country just like everyone else, but also your experiences matters just like everyone else, and that you should be very proud of your heritage. And I think for a lot of people they're made to feel as though they should be ashamed of their cultural heritage and they should be ashamed of all the wonderful traditions and all those sorts of things that make up who they are. And I wanted to celebrate that. And that Mm. was part of the reason why I wanted to have the personal memories, which we have in the series was I wanted, I wanted that reflected this idea that, you know, people grow up with traditions that are cultural very much in Australia, but they also have these, these, these traditions they brought that their families have brought from 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 different parts of the world that shaped them and you know and they're growing up in these very Australian contexts and and I wanted that so that people could see what modern Australia looks like mm. and 
for other young people to see themselves reflected and and and, and hopefully um, it makes that navigation of those identities a little bit easier for yeah. for for anyone else that's growing up. Something uh, else you've mentioned it uh, earlier on is the show that you did uh, for SBS, um, Date My Race. And one of the things that I guess spoke to me when I watched it uh, at the time was a study that was done, I don't remember who did the study, but mentioning that black women are among the, I guess, least, you know, chosen on... I think that was an Oasis one in the US, mm -hmm. yeah, for matchmaking sites. Yes, oh, for dating sites. Yeah. Um, can you kind of talk a bit about the aspects that related to why that was so? Why black women were... Well, it was such an interesting one. I mean, doing that show in itself was, mm. I'd been talking to friends about it mm. and saying, look, I'm having a really terrible time with online dating. Mm. I had girlfriends of mine, mainly white, mm -hmm. who were doing really well online. Like they would like, you know, I remember one friend downloaded an app. Mm. At the time it was like the first location-based app. So mm. it could kind of match with people that we're in the same area. And I remember in a week, she had like 200 matches. Wow. And then I go on this thing, mm -hmm. and I'm in the city because there were more people in the city, and I got six matches. In, and then four of them were people that had nudged me. So it wasn't even people that I had swiped. Mm -hmm. So it was people that had actively gone, I like you, even though I didn't. I didn't swipe on them. And I remember walking around the city like a, like a crazy person because I was like, if I go to Southern Cross Station, is it going to be like more people? And that way, the probability of meeting the right, you know. Anyway, I remember thinking, man, do I have to like, like, what do I have to do? I'm like, do I have to lose weight? Do I have to like straighten my hair? Do I have to like show more boob? Like, like what do I need to do to attract attention? Because I'm thinking, I'm sure I'm a decent human and I'm sure I'm kind of attractive and I'm you know I'm thinking all these sorts of things but you don't quite know because you're like I don't know why people are and I was like okay maybe race is a factor like maybe it is and I started looking at the things that were coming out in the US and at the time friends were thinking about developing this making this into a doc and Matchbox got in touch and the executive producer of the show Susie who's now a really great friend of mine said to me you know would you be up for sharing a story. And I said, oh no, I'm a serious journalist. <laughs> I do serious investigations. I don't know if talking about my love life and dating. But then I thought, you know, I intellectually know the reasons why I was doing really badly, but maybe it might, it might help other people that might also feel that way. And so then we, we made this with this documentary and it just, pretty much reinforced everything I knew and it was and even here in Australia the data that we found I think we went to uh, I can't remember the dating company that we went to in Sydney anyway it was one of the dating sites and their data found that black women were right at the bottom in mm. terms of uh, people who were engaging with them mm. and even within the race black men were least likely to swipe on black women so it was like we even within your own race you you're not you're not even you're not even your own race don't find you attractive i was like well that's that it was just like really cut. it was really really depressing yeah. and then we found what else did we find um and then we did like our own little study where they got me to swipe mm -hmm. 
we did it was like over 48 hours and then we got women from all the racial categories that yeah. are in, in in australia and over a period of time we looked at who got the matches and of course i was like um right at the end of that i mean it wasn't necessarily a scientific study because it was it was um something we did for television but even with with that it just it just basically reinforce the same thing and you know I had an academic say to me like if you if you want to increase your chances of meeting someone you're more more likely to meet someone overseas than you are to meet them here and it's as depressing as it is it's not something that I kind of you know I think we have a lot a lot of it came down to the fact that you know racism is very real and when we're not talking about racism it's very difficult for people to really address their own personal biases and prejudices and a lot of the time people were saying to me, oh, you know, but I, I should have my own preference. You know, if I'm attracted to, like, white women, that should be okay. Like, I should... I'm like, well, no, it's not okay. Because, you know, being attracted to someone because of their race and only exclusively dating that race mm. is not a preference. It's not like hair colour. Mm. Because you're completely eliminating an entire group of people on mm. perceived ideas mm -hmm. of who you think they are. You're not looking at the person or thinking about the person. You're just going... I don't find this group attractive for whatever those reasons are. And those reasons are formed by racism, unfortunately. They, it forms these stereotypes uh, about people. Mm -hmm. And we all know that, you know, race is a social construct. But still, there, there are these ideas around racial identity that aren't, that aren't steeped in any truth. And so as a result, you find that if we're not dealing with racism on a structural level, it is manifesting itself in our lives in all these ways. And online dating is one of the ways in which it's showing up where people are bringing their unconscious bias as they're swiping. And it might seem very innocent and it's innocent when you're doing it as an individual, mm. but that collective data starts to show patterns and the patterns become racist. Um, because you find like, you know, you're just innocently going, yeah, 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 yeah. But there are other people that are doing the same thing and that's being shaped by all of these sorts of things. And so for that reason, I don't get too depressed about it anymore. I'm just like, you know, unfortunately, this is the time that we're living in. And unfortunately, we, we aren't very evolved with our understanding of race and racism and race matters. And so these things will keep showing up and they'll keep showing up in the very spaces that we work, live and, 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 and do other things. And, and so, yeah, I just, you just kind of have to, yeah. Did you get many people reaching out to you after the show saying, yeah, I kind of felt the same way? Yeah, absolutely. Like I was overwhelmed. To this day, I'm still overwhelmed by how many people, especially black women, I've got a lot of black women, a lot of Asian men, were talking about how they felt that their experiences had been validated because they thought that they had been crazy, that maybe they were the problem. And obviously, you know, having having this show reinforce that it's, you know, you're not the problem. I mean, you know, people are bringing their unconscious bias into, into dating. It's not got nothing to do with you, but it's very disheartening because, you know, you, you, people want to take part in things just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, when I started, I just, I was like, I just want to be like my girlfriends, have a bit of fun, mm -hmm. do the online dating thing, sit with a glass of wine on a Friday night, you mm -hmm. know, and laugh at our matches and like share stories mm -hmm. and wasn't really able to participate in that sort of ritual simply because of how the cards were stacked against me because I was dealing with a power structure that has been in existence long, long before I was born and will perhaps continue to long after I'm born. So, you know, it was overwhelming, it was wonderful, but I hope that people that have watched that and experienced that get some strength out of it knowing that you know, they're not the problem and 
hopefully the right people who don't think about those things will show up in their lives and they can have a wonderful love story as well. You were at the Sydney Writers' Festival uh, oh, last yes. month, I and I had the pleasure of attending one of the panel discussions uh, that you were a part of yeah. around the anthology Growing Up African in Australia. Yeah. What made you, because you submitted a piece for mm -hmm. it, what made you decide to submit something for it? Um, I didn't submit anything. Um, so I was one of the commissioned. Okay, yeah, you were commissioned, yeah. Um, and I've known Maxine for a very, very long time mm -hmm. and I was very inspired by the project and the undertaking that she was going to, she was going to make and I just thought it was so necessary and it was so needed and it was just so right. And I remember having a chat to her about those, like, what, you know, what do you want me to submit and all this sort of stuff and I, and I knew that I didn't want to do anything to do with racism per se. I think my story does, if you, if you read into it you will you will see that racism is in there but i don't i'm not overt about it i'm not explicit about it but i definitely wanted to talk about how normal my upbringing was i think sometimes people think that again it's just cliche stereotypes whatever it is they think that we our lives are so colored by racism that we don't experience anything other than that and for me you know primary school was very normal just like I mean, high school was high school, which is weird anyway. But primary school was very normal. And I, I remember playing AFL and I was like, maybe I should write about that, you know? And I just sort of thought about my whole, I mean, I look at who I am now. And when I think back to the young version of me, I'm like, okay, it doesn't surprise me that I am who I am. But when I was writing about it and actually remembering that, you know, none of the girls wanted to play AFL and just all the boys played it and I was like, well, I should be able to play just because I had a brother and I hung out with boys. I was like, you know, boys are trash. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm just like, you can do it. Like, like they're not? messy, yeah. they're annoying, yeah. they're like, and I'm like, what's so special about them? Mm -hmm. Like, it just... It, it, it didn't make sense in my little mind. Like, mm -hmm. I was just like, I don't get why these people get their own category and their mm -hmm. own special thing and I have to go and play netball mm. and wear a skirt. I wasn't about that life. I was very much a tomboy. And so I was like, I want to be able to do this. And so that was that was really the, the, the impetus for me to play AFL, was just mm. like to prove to myself that I could do this thing that boys could do. It turned out that I wasn't as great as I thought that I was, but that's, that's okay. It's about having a go. Um, and so yes, that's what I wrote about and, and it, you look, look, it's been a really wonderful experience being part of that anthology. There's obviously 34 other amazing voices in there and it stretches across the African continent, uh, um, uh, diasporas in the Caribbean and in the Americas and it's just really wonderful for people to really get an understanding of just how diverse African communities are when we're talking about African communities and African experiences and and I think a lot of people just aren't aware. I think people, again, the narratives around African communities in Australia is very much one that's been constructed by the media. Yes. And some of it has been incredibly problematic because mm -hmm. it has classified us as troubled and mm -hmm. troublesome. Yeah, and all the time. Pretty much. And it was great to be part of something where we were in control of the narrative yes. where we got to share our stories now in our voices in our terms and what's really great about it is because it's such an african you know 
black people are really great because you know we tell stories in all sorts of ways it's not just through you know a narrative structure but it can be as in you know like a story mm. but you know there's poetry in there there's like music there's like essays there's, there's just it's just such a multi-layered experience and it's just it, it it's fantastic because that's just how black people communicate all the time and it's just the layers of it and so the the fact that, that even in the book form mm -hmm. every story is so different and every story isn't the language in which it's written is it's so different mm -hmm. is what i love about it like it's multi-layered it's diverse it's amazing and i love that there are just so many female voices as well which is great i mean they're male voices but there's female voices which is amazing and across different age groups yeah. and also different journeys and different experiences and even within you know even the idea of blackness i mean it comes up a fair bit in the book because you know you've got someone who's a descendant of one of the uh, people in the first fleet who is white but you know is their ancestor was 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 black and then you've got someone that was born in north africa and is of arabic heritage but is african mm. and then you've got people that are mixed race and you've got people that you know and i and i love that i love that it is just a, a, a melting pot of all of these experiences and there's not one singular thing mm -hmm. that that makes someone african australian mm -hmm. and um and hopefully a lot of uh, young people growing up from those communities can see themselves in some of those stories mm -hmm. and have their own experience validated. Coming slowly to a close, is there someone, mm. a person any in any industry mm. that you haven't met that you would love to meet yeah. and potentially do a film with? Who would I like to do a documentary on or, or would I do a documentary with? With, so they will be together with you. Oh, actually, you know what? Maybe on. Actually, that yeah. would make it even more interesting because then you could delve deeper into their life. Well, the documentary that I would really love to make in a couple of years is I really want to do a documentary. My, one of my dreams is to visit every African country and mm -hmm. document it. And I would love to just like document it through the lens of young people. Okay. And experience their their versions of their African cities like mm -hmm. that would for me be okay really something I would love to do like that would be so fun I'm not so I mean I, I have a lot of um, I'm inspired by a lot of by a lot of people and people that have come before me and um, some that have since gone but I'm also greatly inspired by organizations and individuals that are doing work that isn't being that's not in the mainstream it's not being amplified in a certain way and mm -hmm. so i'm not so big on individuals if that makes any sense yeah, yeah. like i have a lot of people that i respect and admire but i think that change is not something that is necessarily the role of an individual but i also recognize as an individual as well that no one gets anywhere by themselves and so i'm always very cautious about the the way we live in the culture where we tend to really put individuals up on pedestals or tend to kind of look to individuals as though they have all the answers or whatever mm. fully recognizing that no one gets to anywhere by themselves you know i get excited when i think about communities mm. that are really 
trying to change things within their, you know, or, or, or you know, one of the community organization spaces groups that I, I like is, have you heard of that World Red Black Girl? No, I haven't. So World Red Black Girl, it started as a, it was a book club and now it's like a space. So it's based in Brooklyn. I interviewed the, the founder of it, Glory, and um, I think it was like last year or something in Melbourne, but she's now turned it into a festival. They have a festival now and they, they have an anthology that came out. And it really just is a space that celebrates black women writers, sisterhood, black womanhood, and it's an online space. It's like on Instagram or whatever, but then they sometimes also do physical book clubs and stuff. And it's not just about books, but it's also a place for people to like come together. And I love those sorts of things. Those sorts of spaces and people that put in the work to make those spaces really inspires me, especially given how much time we're now spending in online spaces that we're not doing enough of human to human interaction and mm. and all of, all of that sort of stuff and just how vital those connections are, especially when you think about mental health and everything else. But also that gives people strength. I mean, if you're trying to get through anything in this life, you know, we all come up with challenges and we always rely on our communities to support us yeah. through those times you know you and and so i definitely draw a lot of inspiration from the people that are putting in the work in those communities people that are actively and if anything they inspire me a lot more and here in in in, in melbourne i'm very much inspired by organizations like the multicultural center for women's health who for like 40 years or something have been supporting and advocating for the health and well-being of migrant women and with whatever little money that they get when they get funded um, have you know created services to, to support women that who English isn't the first language who you know we know for a fact because data shows us consistently that systemic racism is in the health system yeah. and when you look at data that is overseas for example there's certain you know Black women, for example, are more predisposed to certain health conditions like death in child during childbirth mm. and complications during childbirth and all these sorts of things. And so when you have organisations that want to spotlight that and ensure that people within the health system are better educated and informed mm -hmm. to ensure that these women aren't dying unnecessarily, mm. I greatly respect that work. You know, I think that, that, if anything, they need to be more amplified and they need to get more funds. and in the bigger scheme of things. I think the things that really matter are the people that are really actively doing the work that changes the world. And I am very much inspired by that. And those are the stories I want to tell more of. And hopefully that then inspires other people to then create those spaces and communities and yeah. Doing the work that changes the world. That is such a great way to end our chat. Santilla. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. It's probably it? one of the most fun interviews I've had. Oh, great. 